Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for music teachers. You're listening to the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and this episode is all about steadying your music teaching income. What's up, beautiful teachers? I hope you're having a wonderful day. It is a stunning day outside as I record this, and there's some magpies out in full force outside my window. So if you can hear them, I hope you'll imagine that it's a little laugh track in the background as we go into talking about income. So hopefully we'll keep it light enough to make that laugh track make sense. Whether your week has been full of laughter so far or not, I hope you're having a good one. And I hope you're ready to dive into this topic. This is episode 149, so obviously 150 is next week. And we're going to be doing something extra fun, a little bit different. And uh, I hope you'll definitely join me back here for that one. This week, I thought we'd get a bit more serious. So we're finishing off our businessy month here on the podcast. And this one is about making a steady income. That's really what a lot of this stuff is about. When we talk about makeup lessons, when we talk about payment policies or systems or any of that stuff, really what we want in the end is to just make a steady income. Am I right? Very few of us are looking for extreme riches out here. We're just looking to make enough to be comfortable and for it not to be in flux all the time, going up and down. Now, depending what kind of background you come from and what vibe your parents have, they may have tried to dissuade you from going into music teaching, private music teaching, that is. It doesn't sound like the steadiest career option. Maybe not, not for me, but I know some people will have been attempted to be persuaded anyway into being a doctor or being a accountant or some other steady profession or what's perceived to be steady. I know many music teachers that I've talked to actually did the steady thing and now they're in their 40s or 50s or 60s and they said, oh my gosh, why am I doing this job when I wanted to do music teaching all along? And they're starting now. So if that's you, welcome, welcome to our wonderful world. And if you are just at the beginning of your career and you've gone into music teaching right from the start, then welcome to you too, and don't worry. It doesn't have to be up and down. This doesn't have to be unsteady and unstable. 
You can save for retirement. You can save to own a house. You can have a normal life. Does that sound too extreme? Well, I think having a steady income is important for that if we want to have that stability. But how do we get there? We are not in a profession, assuming you're self-employed, because most of us are, or many of us are, even those who are employed by a music school, they're often only contractors and they're only certain months out of the year and it's very up and down. Some people are only paid based on the students that come in, which they don't have control of because they're not the owner of the school, right? So students are recruited by someone else and then you only get paid if you have them. That's a tough situation to be in. But I'm going to assume that most of us are actually self-employed for the purposes of this show. So if that's the case, how can we manage this unsteadiness? How can we still make the same amount every month just as if we were an employee? We absolutely can do that. But it does take some discipline. I'm not going to shy away from that. You can't just let the money flow in and hope it'll all sort itself out. That doesn't work. It doesn't work for anyone. Even if you were employed, you would have to manage your own money. So we just have to go that little step further as business owners. Before we get to any of the specifics on managing month by month, paying yourself, as it were, and having that steady income, let's talk about some foundational elements. I believe if you don't have these three things in place, that you're going to have a really tough time steadying everything out as I'll talk about in the following steps, okay? So these are the three things that I think you need. This is not everything to do with great payment policies, and we have a lot more resources on that. And if you're a member, you can take the Studio Business Reboot course in the library, and that will help you with a lot of this foundational stuff too. But the three basics for me are no weekly payments, some kind of allowance for sick leave or holidays, and no makeup class. So let's go through each one of those in turn. Let's start with no weekly payments. If this is where you're at right now, if you're taking money from students when you arrive at their house, then teaching a lesson, and then going on your merry way, no shame, no high horses, absolutely none of that here. That's how I started. How many years did I do that? Probably three, my first three years of teaching. I took payments at each and every lesson that I went to. And if that's where you are right now, that's fine. But I want you to think about changing it for the next academic year. Don't make this change suddenly or out of the blue to your piano parents or adult students. But definitely think about making this change when you can. because. It's not just about the instability of that money. That's important too, right? If that student, if Alice decides, no, don't want any lessons anymore, then from one week to the next, you're out that money. And that is a hard world to live in. But there's a bigger factor here too. And that is, even if that student sticks with you for 10 years, you are sending a message to them and their parents that... They are paying you for the time you spend with them. And they're not. They're paying you also for your admin time when you put those payments into the bank and organize invoices and do whatever else you're doing. Write lesson notes. They're also paying you for the time you spend planning their wonderful child's lessons. And 
they're paying you for the time that you spend doing things like this. Right now, you're participating in your professional development. That is part of your overall business. That's part of what you do. So that's the wrong message to be sending. It leads to parents thinking that they definitely need to make that time back if you miss it. More on that in a second. And it just leads to an overall mentality that that's all they're paying you for, which is unhelpful for them and for you. Number two, our second income foundation is to allow for sick leave and holidays. So we talked about this a couple of episodes ago now. It was back in episode 146. So you can get to that by going to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash 146. Right now it's 149. (laughs) So we'll put a link there to that as well. So allowing for holiday and sick leave is really important because, well, think about if you were an employee, you would have this. You would have paid holidays if you're in the US, maybe only two weeks a year. If you're somewhere else in the world, four weeks a year generally, that you are able to take at your discretion. And then also if you got sick, you'd have a certain amount of leave there too. And some people consider that to be extra holidays, but that's a whole other conversation. You would have that built in. And so as a owner of a music studio, even if you're the only teacher, you need to do that for your employees. You. You need to have some kind of a system that when you get sick, you don't feel like pushing yourself to go to work anyway because, you know, someone is going to be there and because otherwise you don't get paid. Equally, you need to be able to take a break if you need it. I like to have two weeks per year and again, more about that in the episode 146. But just briefly, in case you missed that one, I like to have about two weeks a year for myself, considering that's only during the academic year, right? So I already have those weeks that schools are off and therefore I'm off as well. But I have an extra two weeks built in. And luckily, touch wood, my desk is made of wood. (laughs) So I'm dabbing that. Luckily, I don't get sick very often. I haven't thus far. I have that if I need it for sick leave. But generally, I use it for going to conferences. And, you know, they can be during the year. They can be during academic terms, especially if if they're in different parts of the world. So I use that time for going to those conferences. That's a really important part of what I do. Now, we can sit here and be extremely jealous of those who do have regular, normal people jobs and they have that sick leave and that holiday leave. Or we can step back and consider the fact that that's built into their paycheck. The employer comes up with that from somewhere. It's not magic. It's also maybe built into their taxes. That depends on the country who's paying for it. But somewhere along the system, that was allowed for. It's not magic. It doesn't come from nowhere. So we can do the same thing. Allow for that when you're budgeting, when you're planning the fees that you're going to charge. You need to allow for your own sick leave, whatever that's going to be, and holiday leave, and or. Okay, our foundation number three is my favourite slash least favourite thing to talk about, which is makeup lessons. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. This comes up quite a bit, and if you've been around here since episode one for all 149 episodes, then you will know 
that I'm not a fan of makeup lessons or rescheduled lessons. Part of this is the same reason as the weekly payment issues, which is that when you make up lessons, when you are willing or always reschedule a lesson, so a student is going to be missing on Thursday at 3.30 when they normally have their lesson, and you say, oh, okay, let's carry that over to the following week, or we'll do two 45-minute lessons where you normally have 30, or let's move it to Wednesday. Whichever system you come up with, you are making up that time. And when you do make up lessons like that, you are sending the message that they're paying you for that time. That all they're paying you for is that 30 minutes out of your week. And that when they can't make it, they are not getting that time for that money and therefore it should be moved. And that's just not the truth. There's all that other stuff happening outside of lessons. Also, even with regards to the specific time that they have scheduled, They're paying you for that time, 3.30 on a Thursday. You reserve that in your week. You're not going to put anyone else there. You're not going to go do your shopping at that time. You are saving it for them. That is what they're paying you for if they are paying you just for time. It's that spot. It's not 30 minutes from your week. It's that 30 minutes from your week. (laughs) Otherwise, I mean, it's completely topsy-turvy. There's no way to keep track of anything you're doing and the money you're making. I know so many teachers who have fallen into this for good reason. There's a lot of logical explanations for why you might feel like you should have makeup lessons. I hope I have refuted them enough in previous episodes, so I won't go into it in too great a detail here. But I do get it. I get where it's coming from, but it's just not the best fit for you or for them. It leads to problems on both sides, and it leads to the least steady income there is, especially if parents start taking advantage or using that system more and more and more, which they normally will if it's there. So please, please, if you haven't already, plan to get off the makeup lesson bus. Disembark from the train. It is not worth it and it's hurting you and it's hurting them. Okay, so let's say you have those three foundational elements in place. You are not teaching makeup lessons. You are are allowing for some kind of sick leave or holiday leave system and you don't charge week by week. You charge by the month or by the term or by the semester or some other system. Now it's time to take out two hats from your beautiful, beautiful wardrobe. The two hats are going to be a top hat and a mortarboard, which is the college hat, right? So I think you can guess which one's which. The top hat is going to be your business owner hat. And the mortarboard is going to be your teacher hat. And I really want you to think about these two hats. Visualize them now. If you are sitting down and not driving and walking about the place, close your eyes and picture those two hats. Make them as silly as you like to make them memorable. And when you're doing things in your business, think about which hat you're wearing. Because to steady your income, what you need to do is have your top-hatted person, the business owner, that version of you, they need to pay the teacher version of you. You are two separate people because you are. You're performing two separate roles within that business, even if it's just you. You are the business person who recruits students and does the books probably and fills out all the paperwork and all that stuff. And then you're the teacher who actually performs the service. And the business owner needs to pay the teacher. When you think about it like that, it's easier to put this discipline into place. 
And if you're someone who is generally quite disciplined and structured anyway, you can just think about it like that. Decide how much you're going to pay yourself every month and do it. But even better than that, and especially if you're someone who does struggle with a little bit of impulsivity, then you need to set up an automatic system to do this. So what you need to do for this is very simple. First of all, you need to have a separate business account and personal account. Hopefully you already have that. If you don't, again, never any judgment here, just go set one up, okay? And if you're self-employed, you might be able to have just technically two personal accounts, right? In terms of what they're called with the bank. I'm not saying you have to have a business account, in air quotes. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't, depends on the country. But you do need to have a separate account that you use for business. That's what I'm talking about here. So the money should come in from parents, whatever way it comes in, checks, cash that you deposit, automatic bank transfers, credit cards, PayPal, whatever. It has to come in to the business account. And then, periodically, you need to pay yourself automatically from the business account to your personal account. That's from the top-hatted person to the mortarboard-hatted person. Literally picture yourself handing yourself some cash right now. That is the system. Now, how often you pay yourself really is the preference, and this is one of the luxuries you have as a business owner. You get to decide. Are you someone who used to always receive a monthly paycheck and you're used to budgeting that way? Fine. Go with that. Maybe it's the last Thursday of the month because that's when your office used to pay you. Maybe, though, you're someone who has trouble budgeting and you prefer to be paid weekly. That's fine. Do that. You get to set up the system. But really, honestly, it's best if it's automatic. Just set up You can do this right within internet banking most of the time. Just set up an automatic transfer that goes from business account to personal account and it's this much because that's how much you pay yourself. And you can build in some buffer into that so it can be less than you would expect to normally take in. In fact, it should be so that you have a buffer. And we won't go into this fully here. Maybe it's a topic for a future show, but you can have a certain percentage that you then set aside as well from the business account that goes into an emergency business fund so that if you do, you know, lose some students or if you have unexpected expenses come up, you have an emergency account for that. So that could be a great thing too. But the first step is just business account, personal account, and then you transfer the funds automatically at a date that you choose. And you can even split it up across the whole year. Right. So if you only make money, you only take money in from September to June, but you want to be paid every week for 52 weeks of the year, you can set that up. You can do the maths. I believe in you. And set it up that it automatically transferred that correct amount 52 weeks out of the year. Because the business account stays there. So there's no risk of you accidentally spending all that money. At least I hope there is. Okay. So that's the system. That's how you make it steady. It's not actually complicated. It's just a matter of putting it in place and treating it as two separate people so that you don't ever mix up the two sides of yourself again and start spending personal money from the business account and vice versa. Think about those two hats and which one you're wearing when you spend the money. I hope that this will help you steady your income. I truly believe you can do it and that it will be so valuable for you and help you to focus back on your teaching. When you're distracted by money, 
you cannot be an effective teacher. You can't reach your full potential because you're so focused on the stress of where your resources are going to come from, right? Where the rent is going to come out from. And that is just not a place you should be in. I hope this was helpful, guys. Do let me know in the Facebook group whether you enjoyed this episode or in the comments for this episode article. It's at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash 149. I'll see you back here next week for episode 150. See you then, guys. One of the awesome benefits for Vibrant Music Teaching members is that they get an exclusive member magazine every month. This magazine brings together our blog articles in a way that is digestible and super actionable. If you want to become a member and get the magazine as well as all the other benefits, you can go to vmt.ninja to sign up. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it and I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July and you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.